Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Adversity Podcast. On the show today, we've got someone who's captured every big sports championship in Toronto within the last five years with a camera, TFC winning the MLS Cup, the Toronto Raptors NBA Championship Parade, the Toronto Marlies winning the Calder Cup, and numerous Grey Cup championships. Yeah, two now. Two, okay. I was supposed to ask you that before we started <laughs> to see if it was two or numerous. You also shoot for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Marlies. It's Thomas... Uh, Skrill. <laughs> I was going to say Skrill. Uh, first off... Be close. I, I can't believe I forgot to ask you about that. Uh, I need to ask, though. Out of every championship that you've taken photos of or covered as a photographer, which one's your favorite? I was starting us off hot on that one, eh? Yeah. Um, oh, man. I... Th- There's so many that are so good in so many different ways. Like Raptors was great because that was such a historic moment, but I wasn't actually there for the game itself. Mm-hmm. I was just there. I was in Toronto. I was in Jurassic Park uh, just outside of Scotiabank Arena with all the fans. So I still got to experience that kind of emotion, but it's not like I was covering the fans. Uh, sorry, covering the game itself. It was just kind of more the fan aspect and being able to run through the city and then the parade that happened later, which was just such a crazy couple of days so that was really high up there in terms of how memorable it was but i think my favorite would be the toronto marley's winning the calder cup oh really yeah i know i feel like that's (laughs) that'd be a sleeper pick for a lot of people especially when you have like great cup which is like a week-long event and everything but for calder cup that was my first season with the team so just getting my foot in the door in shooting sports and everything and then getting the opportunity to uh, be a photographer with the Toronto Marlies team and then having such like a perfect year where they go all the way to the finals and then win. It was just such like, you can't ask for anything better. Like you can cover other teams for years and not get anything. And then the fact that I got it right away was just, it's perfect. What was the atmosphere? Like, obviously I, I, at that point, I don't even think I was really, watching the Toronto Marlies and even now like the arena doesn't get as full as it was then like what was the atmosphere like during those last few games yeah uh and it it kind of it's slower now I know you mean like it's definitely a weird feeling especially with the team being so split like a lot of the players being called up and everything but I think once playoffs roll around even this year it's going to start to change again that year it was packed like I can still feel how it looked like some hockey games you look into the stands with like a minute or two left and a whole bunch of people already left to beat traffic and everything and everyone was staying there right to the end it was it was electric it was a small arena like it's not as big as it would be in like Scotiabank or a lot of other rinks but it was you definitely felt small in that environment it wasn't like you were walking into a small rink it felt immense it was great that's Like, they're going to be in the playoffs this year, and they have the potential to go really far at the point that we're recording this. They're in a bit of adversity, the Adversity Podcast. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that'll be interesting. What about the... So you went and you shot... Like, where you you were there at Jurassic Park at night? Yeah. And you, you, you stayed and shot stuff after? Yeah. 
So I was tasked uh, to shoot the square for the actual last game. And then once they won, if anyone was there, they'll know, like everyone just spilled into the streets. Like, what is that? York and Bremner was just chaos. People were climbing scaffolds, like climbing up street signs, street lights, everything. And it was, you were just kind of pushing your way through like you would at a concert, except you were in the middle of the street. And then I just spent a couple hours basically running up and down streets, just kind of looking for good moments to photograph and everything. And then once things, I actually think I left before things even started to die down. I was just so exhausted at that point and just so overwhelmed. I got what I needed and I was like, I don't think there's going to be anything else. And then I had to go back and start editing to file the photos and everything. So just kind of called it and that was that. This might be a bad question, but do you have a favorite photo? Uh, From that night or from like the Raptors? Let's go like all of it. Um... Wait, favorite photo in general? Sure. Oh, <laughs> shit. It, uh, it's a hard question because like, you, you don't have the photos all in front of you. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying not to think about it too much and see what pops in my head. Did you get a picture of Plant Guy? I didn't, no. My favorite one would of the Raptors parade would have been um, the shot of Kyle Lowry on the bus with the sunglasses and yeah. you can yeah. see him with the trophy, but then you see just the sea of people in the reflection. That's, that's the iconic shot. Yeah. I, I love that one. So when I was preparing for this podcast, uh, when I do it for most people or what my goal is to do for most people is try to figure out something that Pete, <laughs> <laughs> you might think I wouldn't know. Okay. There's a, I think it's a guy I, I it's on TikTok sometimes. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy Nardwar. Yeah, he yeah, interviews yeah. <laughs> like rappers and he just pulls out things and they're like, "How the hell do you know this?" Yeah. So I thought, you know, maybe integrate that a little bit. So uh I scrolled through your Instagram. This is this is common knowledge. It's not good research by me, but you you photographed a lot of musicians too, like Dua Lipa, The Weeknd, Alessia Cara, Taylor Swift, Bianca Andreescu is athletes, Serena Williams. You've like taking photos of everything it's that's to me that's crazy like when you when you sit there and you know you you think about that like you've interviewed or not interviewed but you've taken photos of a lot of people that have influence did you when you started doing this did you ever think you would get to that uh no (laughs) not at all honestly uh it's kind of weird even hearing you kind of list it off because when we're like photographers in general, when we're covering that type of stuff, you have to try really hard or make sure that you don't become too much of a fan or too enamored by whoever the subject is just because it kind of skews your vision of it. I think like you can take a photo that may not be very good, but it's someone you really look up to. So you think it's like the best thing ever where it may not be, but because it's someone famous or someone who has influence, it's more important, which to a certain extent it is. Like some people will still kind of uh, eat those kind of photos up. It's like the same thing with, um, I recently took a photo of Justin Bieber at a Leaf game. And even for me, like I almost didn't post it. I was like, it's a fan like cheering and stuff. It's Justin Bieber, yeah. But I was like, eh, whatever. And 
it got like the most traffic out of like anything I've posted in like the, <laughs> the longest time. So yeah, it's yeah. What was what was that? I was gonna ask you about that later, but like that moment in particular, like what do you remember about that? Oh, I, I remember all that. That was actually such a serendipitous moment. I was, uh, so I'm shooting for this for uh, Toronto Maple Leaf Social and I'm up in like the 300 section shooting and I look across the rink and I see this guy in this really flashy like pink jacket, right? And at the same time, I get a message from the Leaf Social people saying like, hey, Justin Bieber is here. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's definitely him, right? In the pink. Uh, so I run down to go ask for a photo and uh, right when I enter the area where he's sitting one of his security guards like he had two huge guys there with him and I just asked him like hey would you mind if I ask him for a photo and the guy's like yeah as long as you ask him like that's fine if he says no though like you leave it at that yeah like leave it at that (laughs) so we're sitting there and I'm just waiting for like the play to stop so I can go and ask him and everything and at that exact same moment I think it was Marner scores and everyone goes wild in that section and i'm like three feet away so i just kind of like step in and just start shooting and wait till they like make eye contact with me and i'm just like pointing at the camera and like giving like a thumbs up like a, a gesture like are you okay with the photos and they just like kind of nodded so i kept shooting and then just walked away but it was within 30 seconds of me getting there if i took any longer to get there i would have been walking in the halls when marner scored and missed everything so it was just so incredibly lucky we were you nervous at all to like ask him like because there is like i've seen tiktoks and videos of like fans sometimes yeah asking him for pictures and he's just like no which sometimes like like i get like he's a big person were were you nervous to like even just approach him um the security guard definitely made (laughs) a bit different but uh no i feel like in terms of rejection as a photographer when you're asking people like you get so used to it now. Like I'm not really phased by it. Like if he says no, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I get where you're coming from. You don't want mm-hmm. your picture taken type of thing. And then you kind of move on. But uh, yeah, no, I just like anyone else, to be honest. That freaks me out. Like I could, like when I was in like school for journalism, like they told you to go do streeters. And I don't know if you know what streeters are. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like when I, when I was with you or with a number of people, when we shot like the Leafs square last season, like I was like, I don't know how people can just go up to people and be like, Hey, like, let me take your picture. Yeah. Like there was people there who were drunk who were like, yeah, take my picture. And then they're like, yeah, send it to my Instagram. And then I learned quickly. I should not be doing that. Yeah. You're because also sending it to everyone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I was there sitting there and they're like, yeah, just airdrop it to me. I'm like, okay, sure. And then there was another person there who was doing video stuff and they were like, yeah, don't do that. Like it's, you're going to be sitting there all night yeah. taking pictures and sending them to people and it's a waste of time. So I started saying no, but like, yeah, I, it, it's to me, like I'm a journalist, so I should be okay with doing that. But sometimes it just freaks me out. Like just yeah, like walking up to people who I don't know and just being like, hey, like, great outfit. Let me take your photo. Like, I see people on TikTok who will go up to random people. Like, there's a guy in New York who takes pictures of right, people who that. have interesting clothes or what they're wearing is cool. And they're like, let me take you down to the subway station and take your photo. That just freaks me out. Yeah, that's 
that's another level when you can get them to move from where they are. But like I, when I first got into photography, I was really interested in street photography, mm-hmm. which is you're basically just shooting people on the street doing their everyday life, which can come across sometimes as more invasive. And because of that, people's reactions can be a little different. Or if you're going after someone and saying like, Hey, like, like this light, this area and like what you're wearing looks really great. Do you mind if I get a photo? That's super intimidating and everything, especially when you're not shooting for someone. It's a lot easier once you have a press lanyard or like a credential Yeah. and they ask, Oh, okay, you can take it. But like, who are you shooting for? That helps get around it. But if you're just out and about and you see something, that's that's definitely different. That's, it's, again, it's it's just like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Why would I, why would somebody be like, yeah, let me just get yeah. my picture taken. I don't know. That's just me. Just need to make fake credentials and just walk around with them. They work. Like, you <laughs> see people who walk into places. Yeah. Like, a credential works. Like, yeah. you just put a lanyard on and you're, people will think, like, oh, this person works here. They're okay. Yeah. Because even at, like, like the Leaf Game ones are pretty obvious of who you're shooting for. But, like, a lot of events that's small lanyards or there's so many of them, people can't tell who exactly you're shooting for. But I yeah. think they just trust you because they know you're shooting. You're doing something with a purpose. You're not just there to take yeah. advantage of them. And as long as you walk in with confidence and you look like you're there, that's it. you walk in. But I want to... My goal for this episode, I wanted to start obviously with that stuff, but then go back to the beginning for you. Like go back all the way to when, you know, you enrolled in Ryerson for your program. In T- Pro- TMU. Oh, oh, I have that in brackets <laughs> here. Now you enrolled Kansas. at Ryerson brackets, now TMU for your program in creative industries. What is What is creative industries? First of all. <laughs> So many creative industry students of you asking that would it be laughing right now because at the time of us graduating, none of us really knew what it was after and while you're graduating. Oh yeah. It was like, it, it was a great program. Like I think I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, we were the first year that program came together. So okay. when we all came in, no one really knew what to expect, oh, yeah. including like the profs and like the organizers, like a lot of the courses were still, in a state of flux they were changing like they were bringing stuff in like they would ask our feedback on some courses which was later used to alter the program and it changed so much but uh it it was it was a really good program it was uh it focused on the faculty of communication and design at tmu um so you got to pick two cohorts to focus on there and then it also tied into ted rogers so you got the business focus and then two creative fields and then you just kind of just did it just did that yeah what's the biggest thing you learned throughout that whole experience big question oh man um most valuable thing of it was the internship i had which was at the canadian olympic committee oh nice. but the biggest thing i learned from there and it's going to sound like such a cop-out but it was just like the group work aspect like you worked with so many people who wanted to be in a creative field So it wasn't like a normal group project where it may have been like, let's say a a science or like uh, even just a general business project where you have to work as a group. It's everyone was in it, but everyone had that same creative mindset. So it was a very unique kind of group setting where because creativity between person to person is different. So it, uh, it made it difficult, but 
important, especially now working in a creative industry. Yeah, it's it's to me I've found like it's it's nice to work with a number of people, especially like when you want to be creative, like being a writer, you sometimes have to just pull thring, pull things all by yourself and it's just like sometimes the creativity just doesn't work. Like you don't have yeah. a lot of people to bounce ideas off of and like some people are all writing the same thing that you are or covering the same team, covering the same players. And that that's the difficult part is like like the creativity portion of it when when you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of it's it's really hard to figure out you know is this right am i doing it correctly yeah. or not even that it's just if it's even a good idea yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you like throw ideas out there to people and you think it's like this great grand idea and then some people are like eh, what you do it this way actually maybe that'd be better like this podcast like yeah no i i, I agree and i think behind every level of success or wherever someone is, there's always, or you should always aim to have those types of people behind you. And even for me, there's certain people that I'll message every time before I'm going to post something, uh, like a photo or something or get an opinion on, I'll send it to them and be like, which, which one of these do you think is better? And like, they'll give a reason of why, or do you think I should try this or just kind of always being able to openly share those ideas or results and know that you're getting somewhat of a, an honest response or if they are giving harsh criticism, you know, it's coming from a good place. I think that's like super important. How do you, how do you specifically like deal with that? Like I just said too, and like you just said, like you might think something is good and someone might have a different opinion, like as a photographer, or even just like a producer too, like you have an idea of something and you know, somebody might have a different idea or someone might have or think that that idea could be a little reworked to be a little bit better. Like how do you, if you go up to someone and be like, Hey, like I have this idea and they're like, Oh, this isn't that good of an idea or I, I I'm rambling on, but like, just yeah, how does it, I know you're getting that. how does it like, how do you deal with that? And how do you like is constructive, like I know for some people, constructive criticism is a little bit harder to take. Yeah, I love it yeah. because it's the truth, and that's the best thing. Like I don't ever want someone to be like, "Oh yeah, that looks good," just because they like you. Like, how do you? How would you deal with all that? Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that in terms of constructive criticism being like welcome in my opinion. But a lot of the times when I'm asking someone an opinion or they give an opinion it also confirms or denies how I feel about it. So even yeah. when I send someone like two photos and I'm like, I can't decide b between these two photos, which one do you think is better? And they'll say like, Oh, I like photo two. And instantly I'm like, no, it's photo one's better <laughs> every time. <laughs> but that I use it as like a coping mechanism to confirm stuff sometimes. Like I may not realize it in the moment, but as soon as I mentally like jump and be like, Oh no, it's this one. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I should have just stuck with my guns and like actually just picked that in the first place. You know what I mean? That's happened. Like a lot of the things that I share, especially this podcast, when I was starting to create it, I would send stuff to my girlfriend. I'd be like, Hey, like, do you think this is good? And she'd be like, or like I would say like A or B. 
Yeah. And like, I would love A. I'm like, that's it. Like, it's great. And then I'm like, not really fond of B, but you know, it's just two different things I need. She's like, yeah, B. And I'm like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm like, how do you see that? I'm like, I love A. Like, it's so good. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. I just like B. And I'm like, maybe I should just go with A. But yeah, yeah. it's that I it's it's so interesting when that happens because like again like you have an idea you think it's so good and you have another one that's there too and it's like that one's all right yeah but yeah that's it's crazy too how like so many different people have different minds and see different things that's interesting too yeah and even with people i share work with before i like share with on whatever platform i'm going to share it on different people I know have different tastes and that's something that I'll also kind of take into consideration. Yeah. Like if it's a sports image and I'm sharing it to maybe people who are outside of the sports photography community, I value whatever their feedback is differently than people who are maybe more established or know what to look for, what makes a strong image or something like that to avoid things like before where it's like, Oh, it's a, it's Austin Matthews. Like what a what a great photo that is of Matthews. It's like, no, it, it's an all right photo. It has Matthews' name on the back of the jersey, but at the end of the day, is it really great? You know what I mean. And sometimes the name can make the photo and who it is, but like that's some one of the pieces of uh, criticism that you kind of need to weigh every time you're gonna share something. Do you like? I know for some people, like I had this. I st- I probably still would say that I have it. Like. Do you, if you take a photo of somebody who's famous or has influence, do you hold that photo to an, a higher standard than something that might not be of somebody who has influence? I see what you mean. Like it. Like if it's like minor hockey that I'm photographing versus like yeah, pro hockey. Yeah, or like like. When the outdoor practice, the Leafs had their outdoor practice, like that day for me, like I don't shoot much anymore, but when I, when I did shoot more, like it was more street photography or like that stuff, like that day specifically, the Leafs outdoor practice was such a big day because I was taking photos of people that I watched. And now as a reporter, like I have a little different lens on, you know, how I view like those people like they're athletes they're yep. just normal people but like at the moment that before i even covered the marley's like i put them on such a big pedestal because i you know you when you don't get that human interaction with players you like a lot of fans think they're just these superhuman beings yeah. when at the same time like they are superhuman beings yeah that's true <laughs> but like at the same time too like they're just regular people and like i would I, I again i still like when the leafs had their outdoor practice this year like again that's a big day like i could put those photos on social media i'm proud of them mm-hmm. but it's also because they have influence like those people are influential yeah that's a really good point I, I do see what you mean. I, I think, yeah, it, it definitely has merit. Like you still want to be able to capture the people of importance. Like even when you're going to a game or the outdoor practice, you know who you're going to focus on first. You're going to get the big names out of the way. Yeah. And then you can try and get everyone else. Like that's, I think, 
more of a reality of it because you have to think the people who are hiring you for that specific job or even if you're just there what photos are they going to want to use how are they going to use it and while it is important to get a mix of everyone and you definitely do like you have enough time to do that you want to make sure that you have something strong of the key people who are they're they're going to be using for most of the marketing right Mm -hmm. yeah i i totally forgot marketing what what made you want to get into sports photography i know you've said to me before and i don't know whether this should be being shared but you've (laughs) said to me like you're not the biggest sports fan uh i did correct you on that yeah i'm not the i'm not the biggest fan of watching sports okay so playing sports i grew up playing hockey lacrosse that was in my research basically everything but i can't remember the last time i went home and just like watched a game or a sporting event and even when i was younger it was the same thing just because i think i was playing so much that i then didn't want to watch it and now i'm working a lot of sporting events so now I also don't want to watch it. feel the it. exact same way. It feels weird being there. Yeah. It's like, I don't, uh, for me, when I, like when I played hockey, it, I, I would enjoy watching hockey. Yeah. When I started working in it though, it was, it was a little bit different just cause like, I think when you play sports, it like, it, it takes over your mind and you, you just enjoy it. Like it, you don't think about really anything else when you're playing it other than yeah, that's so that true. specific thing but yeah like when when you work it to me that's the whole different story but it's not like it's not backwards where like if i worked in hockey like i don't like when i work in hockey i don't want to watch as much hockey yeah but like i could go still play it I see what you mean. I actually see a, I agree with you, but in like almost a different way where that point that you brought up of when you're playing it, that's all you think about. Like you're so zoned in. I agree. But I also think for me working it is the exact same. Yeah. So for when I'm shooting, you kind of, you get, you put on horse blinders for lack of a better term and you're just kind of dialed in on what's happening. Um, even like, like the leaf games, like for me, a lot of the times I'll be kind of like floating because they all they have Lisa actually has a much bigger photo team, so I'm like the bottom of the totem pole in that aspect. So a lot of the times I'm not even focusing on the on ice action, so I'm focusing on other things that are happening in the rink. So a lot of the times my back is completely to the ice, so I'm like zoned in on everything else but what everything's everyone's watching. So it's the most bizarre feeling because. I hear what's going on. You hear if there's a big hit or if someone's close to scoring, but visually I have no clue what's happening on the ice. I'm just looking at people's kind of reactions. Do you have like an interesting interaction with a fan? Like, Oh man. Interesting. How? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Um, like, if you could think, like, right now in your head of one specific moment. Yeah. Like, what moment, if there's any, or could there probably is too many, or you're just so dialed in that like, yeah, I, all you see is your lens. Yeah, I don't, I can't really think of anything. There's nothing really that stands out, because a lot of the times it's you, I get that one photo, 
and then I'm gone. I'm moving on to the next thing. So I usually don't leave time for those interactions just because yeah. I don't want them to ask me to send them the photo. So <laughs> like I, I disappear before they can catch me. Touche. Yeah. It, oh, I was going to say too, like for eh, maybe for me, but like, do you ever feel, I, I don't know, to me, Scotiabank Arena, watching it on TV is very quiet during Leafs games. Maybe a lot more quiet than if, like, say they're in the playoffs, obviously. But, like, when you are shooting something like uh, any of the championships yeah. or any of, like, the Leafs out, or not the outdoor practice, but, like, Maple Leaf Square or Jurassic Park, like, do you feel that energy that is there? Like, as a fan... When I was, I still have a little, like, I try not to really cheer for the Leafs, but yeah. deep, deep down, <laughs> deep down, like, yeah, it's still a little bit, like, there's still a little bit of, like, like, it would be cool to see them win. Yeah. So, like, last year in Maple Leaf Square, uh, like, there was moments, I, there was one moment in particular where, like, they scored and everyone was shooting beer around. Yeah. I, I think I got covered in beer. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> I was so pissed. <laughs> like that to me was so like it was so fascinating. Yeah, and like that was just coming. It was sort of we we're still coming out of the pandemic a little bit, and it sort of felt like everything was returning to normal. But like I don't know. For me, I, I guess you've exp- like you were at like when the Raptors won, so you were yeah like, in the city and you've seen probably some crazy things. But like, do you feel that energy? Yeah, and especially the the squares itself are very special places. Like, like I've done like Grey Cups, I've done like even like Rogers Cup, um, the Calder Cup, a lot of cups. But like <laughs> with all of that, like the squares are very unique because, unfortunately, for a lot of these bigger events, the tickets go higher and higher, and it pushes a lot of like the crazy diehard fans to not be able to attend. Yeah. So it's great that they have these kind of spaces where they can still showcase the the fandom that they have for the team and be with other like-minded fans. And it does create an environment that's just so unique to it. Like it that energy is very hard to I've never experienced energy like the square. Like when there's a goal or something happening, you can feel how tense it is. Like even looking through the viewfinder of the camera, you're just like itching to like press the shutter. I remember, like, there was one girl who was in tears at one point. Again, I, I remember like, that one. I know exactly who you're talking about. There, Yeah, and then, like, there was a girl, too, who was also in tears, and she was, like, holding on to her husband or boyfriend yeah. or significant, I don't know, significant other. But, yeah, like, it's it's crazy to see emotions like that. Yeah. Like, you, you don't, like, that's raw. Like, yeah. Unless you're shooting a documentary on someone who has had adversity um like you don't get that so that's that's pretty cool too and they're so dialed in as well watching the screen which is great for someone who's shooting video or taking photos because no one there is asking who you're shooting for or anything they're just so focused on the game you can really you can capture that kind of emotion because they're not being self-conscious because they're not even thinking about that at all yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're there just for the team. They're not there like to show face. You know what I mean? Do would you 
I mean, some people are definitely there to get on TV. Oh yeah. But you know what I mean? There's <laughs> generally remember- people are there cause they're huge fans. They're, they're waiting in line. They're there for way longer than just the duration of the game. Like I remember there was one guy there every game. He had a sign and it was just so random the signed. I don't remember what the sign said, but it was just, it was just, he's, he's there for every team. Like Leafs, Raptors, Argos, he's always there. There was like I remember the same people were at like every game. Yep, right in the and front. they would yeah, and it's just like content wise, like if you're capturing video, like I was trying to do video and it was like the worst thing. Yeah, not because of them. That like, was like it's just difficult to do content when yeah. it's the same exact people giving you the same exact reaction. Oh yeah, you avoid it. Like usually, if it's like a huge series, you'll get some of, some stuff of them game one, and then after that, you're like, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about that section at all because I know what I'm gonna get from there. Do you would you rather in like a playoff game, whatever whatever sport, like would you rather be shooting the fans and their reactions or the actual game and the athletes? No, oh, the game and the athletes. The for game sure. and the athletes. Yeah. That's interesting. It's still it, it's it's different, but I don't even know how to how I would express that. But it's when you're a photographer, you're going out, and it's kind of like a mini competition. It's like you walk into like the photo room, and there's all these really talented photographers, and everyone there is trying to get like the best photo. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're friends with them, but everyone there is trying to get the best, right? Yeah, and. With every big sporting event, there's usually like one photo that stands like the kind of the test of time or that everyone knows it for. It's the same with uh, like Mark Blinch's image of the Kawhi shot. Yeah. It wasn't even in the Raptors final. But when people think of the Raptors win, they think of that play. They think of that photo. It's like it's the photo. You, you know what I mean? You asked me before the podcast, do you remember where you were when they won the championship? I had an easier time remembering in my head where I was for that shot than the championship. Where where were you for that? Uh, I think I was at my sister's house. We just I think we just got back from going out for dinner. Yeah. And yeah, that was like I I remember where I was. I can, I can kind of remember the shot in general and watching it. But other than that, like yeah, no. Yeah. It's, that but that's one thing. I think out of every sports moment that has happened in Toronto and within the last maybe 10 years, that's the only one that I can remember. Yeah. Maybe I remember I was at Maple Leaf Square when Boston beat Toronto in 2013. I remember that. I thought there was going to be a riot. There wasn't. <laughs> uh, I remember, I don't know if you've, you were watching at the time. I think they were playing Boston at one point and Kasperi Kapanen beat out Brad Marchand to a puck and had a breakaway and oh, scored. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a bar for that. I remember that. Um, yeah, but other than that, no, I don't remember things. Yeah. But yeah, no, that that specific moment, though, iconic. Yeah. I was in a bar with some friends, like, getting, like, beers and food and saw it happen. And immediately I was like, why the hell am I not downtown you know what I mean? Because people went crazy that night, too. It wasn't just for the finals. Really? Yeah. So people went wild for that as well. What do you, what do you think will be bigger? Okay. I'm going to... I've sh- thought about this before. Like, this is such a big question. Yeah. 
like do you think a lot of people think no some people think yeah because whatever but this is does not make sense what i'm trying to say but what will be bigger the leafs parade and the leafs celebration when the, if they win the cup or the raptors one that they've already had oh man this changes so often for what i think i feel like in terms of numbers i think the raptors may have and this may be controversial i think they may have more fans I, but i think the leafs would be a little bit more crazy than the raptors i agree with that i i i do think like the nba is the bigger sport for one yeah so i think that plays a role it's also canada's team yep uh, versus just some, yeah some people say the leafs are canada's team but yeah a little biased <laughs> <laughs> but like like people like i've talked to people and they've said like oh like people would travel to toronto from like newfoundland or wherever they're from to come see the leafs parade yeah but like so would people if the raptors won yeah that's true too i i honestly don't even know like thinking of how the leafs would even do a parade Gives me like almost anxiety. Because I think, I, I there's think, no way. No, I think if they even get out of the first round, like <laughs> I think that's gonna be like similar to the Kauai thing. Yeah, like Kauai, Kauai. Uh, I can like, see that. But I don't because like some of the Raptors, like for a long stretch of it, the Raptors parade didn't even have like fencing. <sighs> like it was just because I remember it was the cops, and then we were sandwiched in between the. Because I had to follow the bus the whole route. It was sandwiched between like the cops, bikes, the bus, and then on the outside was like the fans. So, so where were you shooting? Like you were just following the bus on yeah, foot? I think I was, I forget which bus exactly it was. I think I was usually beside or behind the second bus or the first, one of the two. But we were just slowly pushing up the whole time. I remember uh, Marcus All. He was. Yeah, they were all having a good time. He was like, oh, I remember he went by where I was standing and I was taking photos too. I just had one spot. He was banging the bus with his big hands and <laughs> like drinking. Yeah. That, I I had no clue what to expect for that whole thing. I showed up at the beginning spot uh, and I thought I knew how the day was going to go. And I, I got lucky. I was there and uh, Mark Blinch and Vaughn Ridley uh, so that's the Leafs photographer and the Toronto now the Toronto Raptors photographer. Um, they were there. So I was definitely able to kind of like take their lead and see how they were moving around and seeing what they were doing. Because I think they kind of, they warned me ahead of time that it's not going to go. Like they had the experience to know pulling up to an event like that, that it's not going to be smooth. It's not going to be what you expect. And like in that heat next to like the engine of this bus, you're just roasting. And like pushing through all these crowds of people, like it was, it was a lot. It was like six or seven people deep, like the the people around it. Yeah. Oh, it was. And like I remember, it was deep, deep. Two like cell phones weren't working. Like oh, you, yeah. we weren't able to have data because there was so many people just flooded there. Yeah. That was crazy. Too many people using them. Yeah. Yeah. By the time we got to, I was so grateful that I didn't have to just shoot the square. Cause I would have been sitting out there for like eight hours waiting for this <laughs> yeah. thing to show up. And then, uh, yeah, I got lucky that it, my job was to actually float with the bus. I was, uh, pretty pumped about that. 
the last question I have about sports photography is, uh, well, I was going to ask actually, two, it's like kind of like a two-parter. Like first, like what's your favorite thing about shooting sports specifically? And like, how do you think it's changed you as a photographer or maybe not changed, but made you a better photographer? Hmm. Only, I'll, I'll only, start. only difficult questions on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> Adversity. Adversity. <laughs> I'll start with the, the first one. So, what was the first one again? Favorite thing about sports photography. Oh, yeah. Favorite thing is about sports photography. There's going to be like, I'm not cutting any of this. So it's just going to be dead. One, one. Yeah. Of me just thinking of the answer. Yeah. So think think long and hard or I'm not going to say anything else because that wasn't going to be. Nice. <laughs> um, I think. Hmm. <clears throat> I think okay well not I think I know the the best thing about shooting it is obviously you get to be a part of such incredible experiences and I think in the moment a lot of the times we kind of overlook that like you listing off all the championships that I had the chance to photograph and even the other things I've had the opportunity to photograph is just it's pretty wild when I think about it like that like I've definitely been very lucky in my career um so being able to not only be present during those, but being so front and center and being able to kind of take my own spin on how I want to present that story is to me always, uh, such an unforgettable experience. And it's, I don't know it, it everyone hears the same story of, let's say, um, anytime the player is bringing the trophy into the locker room, everyone can kind of describe it. I can, describe to you what the players did and who was shooting champagne where and who was lifting the trophy but being able to see my perspective versus another photographer's perspective they'll they'll be different and everyone has their own kind of visual language on how they want to portray that one event Um, the locker room may not be the best example because the locker rooms are pretty chaotic and you're just like spraying and praying but like in the slower moments of uh i think sports and photography in general when you have the time to be a bit more creative you've already gotten what you need and you have the time to really kind of push the boundary of um what you want to do creatively and it still kind of works with the story it still works with what you're documenting i think that's my favorite thing about photography sports photography and how do you think it's made you a better photographer? Um, I think the main thing is it's pushed me outside of just um, the moments I think I should be shooting. So a lot of the times is, okay, the puck dropped, you're shooting, oh, the play is dead. You have to wait for the next puck drop. Like you're not done. You know what I mean? Like the it doesn't stop there. There's moments in between. There's times where players are talking to one another. The goalie always skates into one of the corners usually maybe he has his mask up maybe they're spraying water into their their uh mouth um so i think it's kept me on edge for other things so even if i've shot like a wedding for example yeah there's the whole ceremony's going or whatever but like once i'm done shooting with that i don't need to necessarily just kind of sit back and do nothing Mm -hmm. i should just kind of it pushes me to think of what else there may be in that moment and I think without the sports aspect, there's a chance I could have been maybe like lazier with that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I'm only here for this one 
task. This is all that's happening. Where with yeah. sports, it's there's something happening in every direction. I didn't even think about that. Like, I, I feel like this is like the fifteenth time I've gone to it, but like, it's so true. Like at like Maple Leaf Square, like the commercials are going, and people are still like stressed out, and they're still yeah showing emotion, and like, it's like again, I didn't even think like that's actually a thing. Like, to always be shooting. Because, like, you never know what you're going to catch, too. Yeah. And not not just, like, shooting, but just being aware. And it can come across the wrong way. Because sometimes I'll be, like, let's say at the front of the square. And I'm shooting. And someone I know will come and talk with me. But I'm, like, not looking at them. I'm just, like, looking at, like, the crowd. But I'm still having, like, a conversation. Just because I don't want to miss something. Yeah. Because that's a bad feeling. You don't want to be... You don't want to be pulling up your camera when the moment's happening. You want to have it already ready. So it's like a, it's tricky. And that's why it's like, it's exhausting. Cause you're the whole time you have the, the blinders on and you're just kind of zoned in. Now, aside from sports and photography, you've done a lot of hiking, traveling, yep, mountain climbing, mountain climbing, mountain hiking, mountain hiking. I would say climbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Climbing got, would be cool. Let's see. Let's see if, how many I've got. Yeah. So you've hiked the Tour de Mont Blanc. Yep. The Skokie Loop in Banff. Yeah. If it, is it Skokie? Skokie Loop. Yeah. Great. Great uh, loop. I, I couldn't find any other mountains that you traveled or yeah. hiked up, but you've been to Slovenia, California, Vancouver, Ireland, the Cliffs of Mo. Mar. Yep. Yeah. Oh, cool spot. Yeah. That's. I went there with my parents yeah. and. Uh, like you can get right to the edge. Oh yeah. That that freaks me out. <laughs> and so we went there and like we were walking along the edge of these cliffs and like I look over and I'm like, "Oh my god." Like and the, and the waves are big and they're <laughs> yeah, like it's white water. And then like my mom's coming behind me and like I think there's there's a little walkway, but yeah. then you can go up onto the grass to look right over. So she went to get up onto the grass and she fell. Down? She fell, not down it. She fell. Oh, like on the grass? Yeah. Oh, okay. Holy shit, though. Falling near that edge oh is... Oh, my God. I Like, I almost died. That that was like... Like, you see somebody's freaking life flash before your yeah. eyes. That was nuts. But anyways, you've been to Switzerland, too? Yeah. Anywhere you haven't been? Yeah, quite a few places. <laughs> Lots of places to still go. Did I miss any? I feel like I probably missed a lot. Uh, oh man, uh, Slovenia, uh, London, London. Oh yes. Uh, Calgary, Halifax. Oh, just like the New York. Where like, the, like random places here and there, but the big ones would be like uh, California, Switzerland. Um, Switzerland was for a job, though, not for like a trip. But, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, it's still cool to go there. Where did you find the love for traveling? Um, or do you, do you love it? Are you? A, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the best. Like I already have my my trips planned for like the next little while. I feel like my my cousin just moved to Scotland, or he flies out. Is today Wednesday? Tues- Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. He flies out tomorrow to move to Scotland. <laughs> That's and, amazing. And uh, we already have something planned for like 2025. 
Wow. Like, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so we already have stuff there. But uh, I was thinking. I don't know. I feel like it always just came just like wanting to go to see new places. I think being into photography definitely helped. Like you see these incredible spots and you want to go there and give yes. it your own take with a camera. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's been like a big kind of motivation. And then now it's been more focused around wanting to do longer trails and longer hikes. And that's been kind of my motivation for um, traveling now. So like last year was the Tour de Mont Blanc, which was eight days. And then this year there's another one I'll be doing in France, which is probably 10 or 11 days. And like, it's definitely not a normal vacation when you're going there to do like like hard work yeah but uh yeah i don't know it's just something i got addicted to and i see here in 2025 you're gonna hike mount everest yeah climb it right to the top right to the top solo k2 (laughs) the next year oh my god no same year same Same year year. yeah climbing mount would be cool i like the idea of the hike more than the climb though you know what i mean climbing just sounds a lot more difficult yeah it does like and it's you, like especially when you start getting the ice picks with you yeah that's and then the oxygen tanks nope <laughs> i want to pack as light as possible and move as quick as possible not uh carrying like a ton of stuff like yeah i've worked hard to get my backpack to weigh as little as possible oh my god i weigh like everything down to the gram like I, it's obsessive well, i took an outdoor ed class in high school and like my teacher was all about like we went to algonquin park for like a canoe trip for like oh, four sweet. or five days we did the bruce peninsula too that wasn't like a canoeing trip though and like i didn't know that packing was like that serious where you it's like an art, it's an art form yeah <laughs> Like you got to like take every, all the food out of different things. And like, there's a couple on TikTok that hikes from like Mexico to Canada sometimes. Yeah. And like they dehydrate stuff and, you know, put it into things and it just somehow gets like yeah. so small. Yeah. That that's on the list. That's Mexico to Canada. Really? Yeah. That that's for sure. Like a life goal for me. There's a couple that go or there's two for sure that go from the mexican border to canada mm-hmm. but uh that one is, of them one of them is definitely on the list that is crazy that is a lot of walking it is it's like i think the shortest one is like 26 2650 miles so it's like what is that 40 4300 kilometers something like that it's like five months of walking how many steps 10 million i'll let you i'll let you know <laughs> i'll let you know uh you i don't did i have i have slovenia in here yeah, yeah. i said you traveled to slovenia uh now are both of your parents slovenian Is yeah your, okay so they're both slovenian and i when i did my research we went on a trip back in 2019 yep uh and it was you said quote in i'm quoting you a 26 year hiatus where was it your parents who didn't go home uh yeah my parents okay and then they didn't tell a lot of people that they were going home uh what was that experience and like you get reaction of i'm guessing maybe family and friends of theirs that you haven't met yeah or there were a lot of people i i haven't met because i don't remember but a lot of them have like i was just too young 
Um, that trip was really special because I was originally going to go there solo and I put it out there. Like I booked it. I booked everything, my flights and everything. And then I was just kind of talking to my dad about it every so often. And then he kind of started looking at flights and then I just said like, Hey, like, do you, do you just want to come with me? And then like that same evening, he's like, yeah, maybe we will. So that they ended up coming with me. And it was not that big of a lead time. Like it was maybe a, a, I don't know how early you do your booking, but like maybe let's say like a month before the trip, they just randomly said like, yeah, we're going to come as well. And uh, I'm so glad they did because being older, it was so nice to have a trip. Like I have two other siblings as well, but it was really cool to have a trip just with me and my two parents. And especially without them there, I wouldn't have had the chance to meet all these different family members. Yeah, I could have. But I think if I went there alone, I would have been too focused on doing all this other like touristy yeah. stuff and like sightseeing. But being with them, they wanted to see family and I was really open to it as well. And it brought me to a lot of um, like the homes all my grandparents grew up in and everything or like the little towns that um, they used to live in because everyone kind of keeps their family homes there opposed to here where people tend to move around a lot more. Um, so I got to meet like a ton of people and see a lot of things that I wouldn't have seen if I was just there on my own, just because they were locals, they knew certain things and knew where to take us. It's a lot different. Like when, like they know, like the locals, if you like talk to them, they can give you some good. Oh yeah. I like, it's, it's crazy. I don't. Well, I, I do get it, but it's just like, like you, you, like if you go somewhere, you see like one big thing that you want to f- photograph, but then they'll might be like, oh, there's actually this thing down the street that's like maybe yeah. 10 times cooler. And it's just like, oh, I had no idea. What, one of the coolest things that they showed me there, exactly to your point, is we were talking about like the history of the area of Slovenia. And it was a very big kind of front during the world wars. And According to them, one of the areas is where they thought the Allies were going to break in was through Slovenia. So Italy had all these like bunkers all along like the border. And they knew where the border, the not the border. They knew where the bunkers were, like the locals. So he's like, oh, yeah, if you want to go in one, we can go check one out. So we just like drive up this mountain and there's like mounds. Like they're completely like overgrown now, basically. He's like, yeah, you see that little piece of like white rock coming through? I'm like looking at it. I'm like, oh yeah, shit. That's like, like a corner of like a bunker. And they knew a couple that were opened, like broken from the back. So then we just like went in and wandered around like this, like World War bunker. Like it was insane. That is nuts. It was such an eerie feeling. But and apparently a lot of them are still like completely sealed, because the, what was it? I don't know which side it was. They instead of fighting the people in it they would just blow up the entrances so the people couldn't get out. Oh yeah. And yeah, a lot yeah. of them are still like yeah. just like tombs. It's so wild. Are you, do you like believe in ghosts and stuff? Uh, cause that would be like 10 times more. It's definitely haunted. If you do, <laughs> even if you don't, it's probably still haunted, man. That's it's wild. It is wild. There is one photo on your Instagram, the most interesting photo. You have a lot of amazing photos, but this one was the most, like, I didn't even know this existed. Let's see if I get this right. The Pajama Castle. 
this is the castle in the in mountain, the, right? Built into the side of the mountain. Yeah. How did you pronounce it? Pajama. 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 It's not pajama for sure. <laughs> I think it's just. Oh man, I wish I knew this coming in. I think it's. I think it's just Yama. Yama. Yeah. The Yama. Okay. Yama. What, what, I don't know. What? How? how the did... Slovenian reads this. They'll be giving oh, me shit. Oh yeah. It's like my last name. Like it's. It looks. There's a lot of letters that are in there that you don't actually, they're silent. Oh, okay. And they just keep them in for some reason. Well, anyways, there's this castle that's built. Castle Yama. Yeah. Castle Yama? I, th- I think that's what it is. Okay. Castle Yama. <laughs> this. <laughs> we'll pull the photo up. Yes. <laughs> Jamie. Uh, so th- this castle is built into the side of a mountain. Yeah. How? Like how? I have no clue how they did it, but it was pretty smart. Because you could only attack it from like one side, basically, and then there's tunnels that go right, like up and through the ca- the mountain range. So when they need to escape, they could still kind of go through it. Um, but yeah, it was. I forget what this what the fact was, but it was also like never um, um, like overrun. Like it was never like fully successfully stormed or something, just because of its positioning because it's built into a mountain and then it's a huge like valley so you'd see people coming from like kilometers away but uh yeah super secure what what like when you first like did you just walk up to it like how does or like i think it was i think it's just like a a really big trail that walks up and then all of a sudden you kind of just see it but like you see it from quite a far ways away like you see the flags and everything and all that but it's it's pretty crazy and then there's tunnels like underneath it as well like it's it's it it's wild that's nuts yeah now one of the last questions i got for you i've a few more but out of all the places you've traveled i'm giving you a hard question yeah give out of all the places you've traveled what are your favorite top three number one would be the alps from the tour de mont blanc that kind of combines a couple of countries. So I'm using that as a little bit of a, <laughs> it's France, Switzerland, and Italy. Uh, I would say the, the Alps. Um, I think Italy, the Italy side was the most striking. Um, Slovenia would be there as well. They have everything. You want castles? Sure. Caves? We got it. The ocean? Not too far away. Like, I, like one day we went to, uh, we went on like a sailing trip just for a day. But we had to go to Croatia, but it was like an hour drive. It took me an hour to get here, and I didn't even leave Toronto. Like, <laughs> the commuting there is very different than it is here. They that, would drive to the ocean, go for a swim, and come home. Like, it's such a different lifestyle. That's the best part about Europe is, like, everything is so close, oh. and there's so many different cultures. Yeah. And it's like, you want to go from, whatever, England to Italy for a couple days you yeah. you can just fly there it's like sort of going from here to new york city but yep but it's it's an technically still an entirely different country but yeah it, like you can just go to different places whereas if you want to go to vancouver it's like a six hour flight yeah it's it's intense canada definitely doesn't make it easy for like traveling within it i yeah. my third one would probably be oh actually i know what my third is um there's my 
it's like a family kind of trip thing. My uh, cousin and my uncle, and it's way up north in Ontario. So we drive up north for like 12 hours, I think. So is it near Thunder Bay? North of Thunder Bay. So we drive, yeah, we drive 12 hours and then we take like a little float plane and the plane like drops us off in Crownland and leaves us there for like 12 days and then comes back on the last day and just takes us back and then we drive all the way home. And that's, that, that's actually, I think that may be my number. That's fighting for number one, actually. Fighting for number one. Yeah. I know. It sounds weird. Northern Ontario. Do you have toilets? Uh, no. So you use Thunderbox or the hole? Uh, just, just the oh. whole, it's rough in it. There's nothing there. And that's it's, number one. Yeah. It's the best. Wow. There's nothing there. And like, I remember the first time I went, I was so worried about work and like, oh, I'm going to miss, um, photo opportunities. Like people are going to replace me with other photographers, just the normal freelancer, like anxiety. Uh, and I came back and I realized like I turned my phone on, got in service and I was like, oh, I didn't miss like anything. It's like things happened, but you don't you don't worry about it anymore. It's like, oh yeah, I missed this opportunity. Oh, my friends did this. But it was such a serene experience of just being like literally so disconnected. It's not like Algonquin disconnected. It's like you're it's like disconnected. You see a plane take off and just leave you there. So yeah. <laughs> so you gotta dig a hole for, you know, what you gotta do. Yeah. I'm guessing you're staying in tents. Yep. You don't have service. No. Nope. You, how the, like if you got lost, I'm, ge- I'm guessing you are to the point, you're experienced enough where that wouldn't happen, but do you have like a flare? Um, I believe we have flares. I know we have like satellite beacons that we bring if we oh, needed yeah. to use an SOS, like a Garmin. Um, but my, the reason I started going is my, uncle's grandfather has been going there like almost his whole life and then he brought my uncle his son and then they've been going for like years and years like i'm talking like 40 years like not a short amount of time and then now my cousin has been starting to go so it's like three generations of them yeah so i wanted to go as a photographer so i just go and kind of document like them there so i'm kind of working on uh like a a multi-year like documentary series on uh, on my uh, on my cousin. Uh, I was it kind of shifts around, but at first it was going to be about the three generations. But now I'm just kind of focusing on um, the new generation and how he's kind of experiencing that space. Like you're walking on the same beaches, you're on the same lakes as your dad did at your at his age, as uh, his grandfather at his age, and I've been there I think three times now. So. Yeah, got to go a couple more times, I think, until it's like ready to kind of form. It's still, it still needs a bit more work, but. I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how people do that. Like just go out into the wilderness. Yeah. Like I'd be crapping my pants. (laughs) Like I, I think I've told you, like I went to. A national park up near Thunder Bay and I was approached by a lynx. Oh yeah. Yeah. You did tell me that. I would be. Like, that's that's near Thunder Bay. You yeah. go even further, you're hitting moose, yeah, bears. Be, I, I don't know about mountain lions. Could very well be a mountain. I don't lion. know. Yeah, maybe. And then, what else we got? Wolves. Wolves. 
They got the big ones there too, the Timberwolves. And then, you know, <laughs> I was nah. going to say, like, you watch TikTok sometimes and, like, you see, like, like Sasquatches. Yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> or, like, people call it, like, I think in the U.S., national parks, like, they have apparently called skinwalkers. Okay. Like, just, like, you just go in somewhere that you have no idea what's around you. That would freak me the hell out. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. I don't know. The animals don't bug me as much, especially because they're just black bears here. Just black bears. If it's a grizzly, it's a little different. You know what I mean? No. 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 <laughs> a bear's I, a bear to you? I, I, I wouldn't mind being approached. Like, I think bears are okay. I, I say that as someone who's never been approached by a bear. Yeah. It would probably be a different story if I seen it. Just like... Knock on wood. The lynx. Like, that was one of the scariest moments of my life felt like I was staring death in the face, <laughs> but it was just a cat that's oversized. Yeah. But it looked like a tiger. It's paws were so big, but yeah, yeah, they're fluffy, but yeah, no, that's credit to you. I don't know how like that would just, to be honest, it's because they're so experienced. Like me yeah. being going into it, like I knew nothing. And then being with them really kind of helped allow, gave me the space to become confident with it. Yeah. And even now, like that one same cousin, he always comes with me whenever I go on like portage trips in Algonquin and he knows what he's doing. I've learned so much from him. So it, it definitely helps with that. Yeah. And that that trip is probably what stemmed me into wanting to do more hiking trips because you obviously can't go to Northern Ontario all the time. Mm-hmm. And like we go in like early fall. So like there's no bugs, like you would not want to be there in the summer. Yeah. But when the weather's nice, I still want to be able to have that kind of disconnecting experience. And that's where kind of through, uh, hiking and stuff like on longer trails kind of steps in. And I think that would be kind of a, a byproduct of it. Now I, I did joke around like Mount Everest K2. Is there like, if there's a top of the mountain, Oh, I guess you said Mexico to Canada. Yeah. Pacific crest trail would be like top of the list. So you would not do, I, I guess Mount Everest and K2. Those are, I think K2 is even tougher than Mount Everest. I'm not sure. I think just because... I think you might be right. I think it's I think more of an K- incline. Yeah. Yeah. What's Different skill set, though, I think. I, I think it's... Com- like, even for those, they have, like, Sherpas and, like, they're bringing a whole bunch of stuff. Like, we were saying, like, oxygen tanks and stuff. For my hikes, I'm bringing, like... It's, like, 13 pounds worth of stuff on my back if I bring a camera. 13 pounds. Yeah. With no camera, it's, like, 10 pounds of stuff. So it's like, it's a very different. So would you bring your laptop? No. So how would, how do you? Oh yeah. When I, when I travel, I usually shoot on film for that reason. Oh yeah. Cause then I don't have to worry about battery. Uh, I love shooting film and, uh, really like what I get from the camera that I use. So I just, I make the sacrifices necessary to lug around like a very large cumbersome camera. That's just not convenient at all. So then when you do like those, like that documentary thing, is it film? All film. Cause there's no, uh, can't charge anything. Wow. So that one's at, well, you could, but I, I don't want to have to bring like a generator and like solar panels. Yeah. that would be. I lot. just like the ability to just be ready to go no matter what. So, so what trips like you usually like since hockey, since you do a lot of hockey, you also have another job, but like any trips this summer, yeah there's a few 
There's a, the, the big one would be um, in the books right now, or not in the books, very close to being in the books is the GR20, which is another trail in Corsica, France. It's like an island uh, west of Italy and east of France in the middle of the Mediterranean. Okay. And there's a trail that runs like right down the middle of it. So that's like the main one. Then just like little things, but I'll go camping and stuff like that. But that's like the main like trip. You're living. That's, (laughs) I thought skydiving was ballsy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Apparently, it's the most difficult trail in Europe, so I'm a little. What is the what is like a, the most difficult trail in the world, or is there is that? Ooh. Uh, ooh, I have no clue. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, it's probably the the CDT, which is Mexico to Canada, but like through the middle of the states. I'd imagine that's. Oh yeah, and you're walking right through. The Skinwalker territory is that there? <laughs> I don't is know. it like I, Wyoming or? I walk. I just like I've seen like conspiracy. I'm not a big conspiracy person. Yeah, but that's when you believe in. No, I don't believe <laughs> in that. I just think it's like funny. Like my favorite thing is like when people. It's always the bad cameras that capture every time the aliens, the Sasquatches. So like I'll watch TikToks and like it'll be about. Like there, there was one, I don't even know what happened, but it was this guy who saw some shape on this mountain and he reported it. Is this in Banff? It, it might've been, but he, yeah. he died. Yeah. I saw yeah, that, that same TikTok. That was like, okay. Like he died. Yeah. All respect and whatever. Um, but like that one, that one in particular, like. Just sketchy. Yeah. So like you see like in the US, like I guess it's more documented when people go missing. Yeah. Because I guess like Canada is really big and has a lot of national parks. So is the US too. And yeah. I guess it's like when people go missing, it's more documented there. So people are like, oh, why are these people going missing? Because they're getting killed by these skinwalkers. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> or it might, I might be like butchering it. I'm pretty sure skinwalkers. How does that differ from like a Sasquatch? Like visually. Do you know? No. Have you ever heard of chupacabras? Isn't that like a dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> a chupacabra. But it's chup- like a weird looking dog, is it not? It's not a dog. It might be a dog. No, it's not a dog. This is a chupacabra. Oh, Does this exist? No, I think. Or this is this is like another mythical thing. Oh wow! Okay. It's, it's like a mix of a hairless cat and like a bat. Yeah, there's like this one looks like a mix between a horse and a mountain lion. That looks like a dog. You would not be wanting to <laughs> run into that in the woods, but yeah, no, no. like, like to me. I just, I hate not knowing what's out there. Yeah. That's the biggest fear for sure. Like, I, especially, like, even think about oceans. Like, I think, I don't even know how much has been documented about oceans. But, like, it's, there's so much that we haven't seen. Yeah. Could be a megalodon. Probably not. (laughs) But. Yeah. But, yeah. Haven't spent enough time on the ocean, that's for sure. 
I've been, I think, in it twice. No, yeah. maybe four times. But I want to go. I want to go in a cage with with sharks, great whites. Yeah. Would you do like actual diving, like going deep with no cage? Mm, with great white sharks? No, no, no. Just like in general. But there's the potential of great white sharks, right? Just uh, like there's the potential of like bears in a forest. Like would I have oxygen? Yeah, yeah. Like you have the full setup. Like you're uh, there with like a guide or whatever. Like yeah, I would do that. I think. Like the only thing that freaks me out is like, the oxygen tank because you have to go up at certain speeds. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like that. Like you could die. That, that sketches that, me out. That part freaks me out. But I would not if I had the option to go into a ocean and with the potential of great white sharks circling or orcas too yeah that's all probably worse i I, feel yeah i would not do that i would not go free dive with i I don't think any shark like maybe one that doesn't have teeth or one that would not (laughs) like one that's a vegetarian like i think like the whale sharks or something like that yeah like i would do that i i do though i do want to get in a cage and go same i think that'd be really cool i think it would be really I don't even want them to be like thrashing about. I just want to see them like up close. I yeah. feel like that'd be cool. It's like, like you see it on TV and they're like 10 feet or 15 feet long. Yeah. It's a hard time for me to really try and measure that out here. Oh, like that's I, true. The scale is so different. Yeah. And like, <laughs> this is so weird. Uh, but like street lights, like you see them, but you don't know how big they are if you stand beside them. Yeah. So that's like another thing that I always am curious about. Like how tall am I compared to a street light? Do you know how tall a street light is? Nope. Huh. I, I thought it was going to be a segue into no, how long just, a shark is. Sharks? I'm curious now. Yeah, like megalodons. I think they're really, really, really big. Like bus. But yeah, I don't know. I've seen that movie Megalodon, the Meg. Oh yeah? Who's in that? It's like John Cena in that? No. <laughs> It's yeah. It's 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 an actor that is like weird. Like a John, oh, like a John no. Cena type. No, oh, it's an action actor. I don't know. The Rock. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just naming wrestlers now. <laughs> but yeah, like it's. Have, I don't. You've never seen it, I'm guessing. No, never. So they go down. This is last thing, by the way, before we wrap. <laughs> this up. is what we're ending on. Yep. They go down, and like all these like. There's like three or four people in the submarine and they're all dying from the pressure, I think. Okay. Which is not real because submarines are pressurized before you go down. But anyways, they they go through this part of the ocean and it's like a goopy globby sort of texture, but it's like on the other side of it, it's all of these different creatures that they've never seen. And when they open it up, or when they go in to it, they open it up because it was closed off. Yeah. So, Megalodon swims up through, and they kill it. No, they don't kill it. They don't. Is there a sequel? Oh, oh, I think they they might kill it at the end. I don't remember. It was that good of a movie. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> like they had an underground base in the water, and like it was like this. I think it was like a. It w- I think it was like doc like documented but like shot and like portrayed to be in Asia I think yeah so like 
it was this, I think, rich guy. I don't remember. He had his, I think, daughter. And she had a stuffed animal at one point. And she lost the stuffed animal. It was in this hallway. But it was underwater. So when she went to pick the stuffed animal up, she picked it up and looked up. And there's this big shark staring right at her because it's like underwater and it's all glass. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a thriller. Yeah. But it's good. Anyways. I, like, I haven't seen it, but I feel like I have. Just based on like the title it's and cheesy. like yeah it's like a it's a, like it's a cheap thriller yeah it's like an entertaining you just watch it and like that's it yeah you never really think about it so again. unrealistic oh yeah but yeah megalodons i can look forward <laughs> to shark week every freaking year to see if they found one of those yeah but anyways thank you so yeah. much for coming on <laughs> no worries man uh before Thanks for having me before we end off i don't you're not your photographer, so like some photographers aren't really want to be in the spotlight. Do you want to share like your socials and everything? Yeah. I usually, okay. Do I look at a camera? Maybe if you want to. Which one? The lighting has changed drastically in here. And I'm really upset no, because I'm looking at my camera right now and I my face is entirely dark. So <laughs> it's going to be great in post. This one's all right. It looks well exposed. Hopefully. But yeah, uh, yeah. You want to check out my work? You can uh, check me out at my Instagram, which is at t s k r l j, or my website, which is thomasgirl.com. And hopefully, you like list it because no one's gonna know how to spell the last name. But yes, I will need to do that too. Yeah. Okay. Mental note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Every time I end the podcast, let's see if I remember this. I created a saying, the journey creates the person, the person creates the journey. And that's what I ended on. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. If you are listening or watching, thank you again. Um, That did not work, but okay. If you want to follow on the socials, it's at the adversity pod everywhere. And make sure to subscribe, like, review wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. And share. And share. Share to everyone you know. <laughs> Except, I was going to say Slovenian people for me butching their <laughs> names. But share to everyone. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. See you guys. <laughs>